0: Hello and welcome to the Curiosity Podcast, a show to help you thrive in your e-commerce and digital business. And now your host, Matt Edmondson. Okay, welcome to the e-commerce. Show with me, your host Matt Edmondson, the Curiosity Podcast. I almost forgot what it was called. Then for a second, mind blank. Never mind. Uh, welcome to the show. It's great to have you along. Uh, in today's show, we have a very special guest, a digital marketing expert, Merrick D'Souza, and Merrick is going to be talking to us about the psychology of influence and how this is going to be a bit of a game changer for the world of e-commerce. That's right. And if uh, if you're new to the show, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Matt Edmondson. We've got some great feedback from you guys. And one of the things that we do, you would have heard me talking about this in previous shows, but if you are new, maybe you haven't heard me talk about it yet. One of the things that we do is we broadcast live on Facebook as we're recording the interview. So tonight's interview with Merrick is being broadcast live on Facebook. For those of you who are watching this on Facebook, hi, it's great to see you. Uh, Just give us a wave or a shout in the comments. Uh, It'd be great to hear from you. Um, So if you are curious about these kind of uh, interviews that we do, because we have some great guests on the show, then make sure you connect with us on Facebook uh, and join us on the Facebook Lives, because as I interview the guests, you can ask your questions, you can join in the conversations, and they will be more than happy to jump on board and have conversations with you. So it's a great thing to do. Now, before we get into it, I do want to give a big shout out to the sponsors of the show, uh, because without the show sponsors, there'd be no show. Um, if that makes sense. I'm sure it does. Uh, the first sponsor is the Curious Digital e-commerce platform. It is the very e-commerce platform that I use myself. And they've got some great new features coming out. And one of the things that is just about to get launched, uh, and it will probably be launched by the time you hear this, uh, if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, if you're watching on Facebook Live, give us a few days. Um They're going to do a pay-what-you-can model on their base subscription. So we are in – the phrase everybody is using at the moment is unprecedented times. We are in unprecedented times. We are in the midst of the COVID lockdown here in the UK, and I know it's happening all over the world. Um, And online digital business seems to be, in a lot of respects, thriving in the midst of mayhem and chaos. And so I know a lot of people are trying to jump online to build their e-commerce business. And Curious have decided that the, the, um, their core system, the base e-commerce system, will be run on a pay-what-you-can model. So you don't have to pay the fixed subscription fee. If you can only afford five bucks a month, then just pay five bucks a month. If you can't afford anything, don't pay anything. Just tell, us you can't, uh, just tell them you can't afford anything at this stage in time. Build your business. And as your sales grow, then have a think about it. Can't can't say any fairer than that, right? Uh, The second sponsor for today's show is Lightbulb, the Lightbulb agency who do end-to-end e-commerce services. They, in effect, take care of all those bits of e-commerce that you don't want to do or you don't have the skills to do uh, or even the expertise. So whether that's marketing, I mean, I was having a conversation today with somebody uh, and just running through the key aspects of e-commerce marketing, you know, from email to SEO and all that sort of stuff. And some of them, they were doing really well, but there were one or two they were like, you know what, we need some help in that area. So I'm like, go talk to the Lightbulb guys; they'll help you in that area. They really will. Uh, they've got a great system for helping e-commerce businesses grow. So do check out Lightbulb Agency if you want to uh, find some e-commerce services to help your business grow, whether it's marketing or fulfillment, whatever it is. Just go, go talk to them. They're good guys; they'll help you, and they're great sponsors. So thank you to them. Now. Uh, Shall we crack on with today's show? So like I said to you before, uh, my guest is called Merrick D'Souza. He is a digital marketing professional, it says here in my notes, uh, with over 20 years of international experience helping organizations build customer-focused digital engagement. I didn't even know digital was around 20 years ago, but there it is. Apparently he's been doing it for 20 years. (laughs) I jest. I jest, people. (laughs) Um, He has worked both agency and client side, uh, experience ranges from Fortune 500 startups, so, um, which is good because we have a whole bunch of people who watch this show uh, who are startups. And we have a whole bunch of people who are, well, they're like Fortune 500 companies. We have such a wide sort of display of people watching. It's great. So Merrick's going to help all of us, which is great. Uh, and he's skilled in helping organizations reimagine and transform their customer experience by understanding the opportunities and challenges that new technologies can have it couldn't be a more apt, timely conversation. Uh, So I'm excited to have him on board. In the pre-call, it was great actually talking with Merrick um, and talking about what we're going to talk about on the show because he had a great idea about this whole psychology of influence. And rather than tell you about it now, i want to keep you waiting on. I'm going to bring Merrick uh, onto the screen. So let me click the button. Let me unmute you. Merrick, thanks for joining us on the show. It's great to have you. Hi, Matt. Nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. No problem. Now, whereabouts in the world are you right now? I'm in London. Oh, okay. And we are in COVID uh, times at the moment. How's the lockdown there? It's
1: working pretty well, I think. Yeah. I
0: track it every day, actually. Okay. Um,
1: like, just, not just London numbers, but local numbers. Yeah. I'm doing okay, actually. This part of London isn't doing too badly. But, uh, worrying times. Yeah.
0: Yeah, unprecedented, I think, is the phrase that people use. You know, there's a lady who works in my office, Michelle, and um, she said to me, she said, you know what, if someone says to me one more time the word unprecedented, I'm going to slap him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very tempting just to go around going unprecedented, unprecedented. So uh, anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. Merrick, um, It's uh, like I said in the start of the show, you're a digital marketing guy, 20 years experience. What is that? What does that look like? How, do, how have you got from 20 years uh, to now a quick sort of run through? Right.
1: I mean, I've I've really fell into marketing. I hadn't really planned to to, to do it. But I, I, my passion, I think, is really what drives human behavior. And that's been consistent because I started out doing CRM. So it's always been about data for me.
0: Okay, sorry, let me interrupt. Uh, For those that don't know what CRM is? Customer relationship management. Okay. That's basically, it's basically the software on computers that runs your um, database, isn't it? It's like-
1: yeah. So it was right at the beginning. It was really how can technology begin to um, change the way that we do marketing and advertising? Um, so, you know, for the first time, we were thinking about creating one view of the customer and how do we uh, drive more personalization? And what are the ways that we can be more scientific um, in our marketing efforts to be more relevant and optimize responses mm. so this this goes back a long way long before
0: technology um, but it's an important uh, thing to think about actually because we talk about a lot of these things now like the customer journey and the personalization like they're new things yeah but it's it's this has been around for a while people have been thinking about this for a while haven't they this is not just you know, in the last few years, despite the rhetoric of some websites, I would hasten to add, no,
1: absolutely. I mean, it's 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 always made me smile listening to experts in in digital who maybe have been in it for four or five years, who definitely know their know their stuff, but they think it's all new. Yeah, and you know, some of the ideas go back to the nineteen forties um, with book clubs and things like. that you know um, offer testing A-B testing um, all of that was, was being done a long long time ago yeah. it's just now we've got technology to do it at the speed of digital basically
2: yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, and, and the ability to to test multiple variables instantaneously
2: yeah.
1: uh, using AI you know just obviously completely new ball game and the ability to constantly experiment Um you know, it's just all kinds of new tools. It's a question of how do you think about it? How do you, I think what's missing though sometimes is that we miss the human element. We need to put back into it. Yep. And especially when we think about, well, what should I be testing? I think this is where some of the psychology needs to uh, be thought about again.
0: Yeah, and this is where I can't wait to get into this conversation because uh, you're you're understanding the psychology of influence. and what the impact is on e-commerce, I think, is a great conversation to have. And you came up with a really unique idea when we had our pre-call. Do you want to tell folks what that was? I'm sorry. Remind
1: me again, what was the idea?
0: Yeah, <laughs> it was just to go. Well, it was just to go through the the, the six um, lessons, wasn't it, from the very well-known book, the Robert Caldini book. Okay, right. So, um, yeah, Robert
1: Cialdini. So, so this is one of my favourite books. I mean, it's mm. not. A new book. It's, it's, it's been around for quite a while, but I've always been interested and passionate about what um, what drives people's behavior. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking, I was researching for um, information about influence and in psychology, and this is the, the best example I could find. I mean, there are a number of uh, good books out there, Yeah. Uh, but this one called Influence, this uh, science and practice. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is based on Robert Kildin's uh, research, and it's the simplest, um, uh, the simplest uh, explanation of of six uh, important shortcuts that that we have that people um, uh, people use to influence their behaviour. Yeah. So you know, we'd like to believe that everyone gathers all the available information before they make a decision. But the sad fact is that there's just too much information out there. And so we use these shortcuts as ways to make decision-making easier for us. And so there are six different uh, shortcuts. Yep. Um, reciprocity, scarcity, authority, yep. consistency, liking, and consensus. Yep. And And you see these all the time now. I mean, I think about it in my everyday life. Uh, I, I find experiences where I can see someone using some of these uh, triggers.
0: Um, That's cool. And these are the six that we're going to talk about tonight, right? So we're going yeah. to go through each one of these in, in turn and we're going to talk about what it is and how it applies to the world of e commerce. Um, and the, f- the first one, we were trying before we came on air to, to <laughs> actually figure out how to say reciprocity. And it, it's right. not an easy word, is it? So if you're watching this, just whatever you're doing now, if you've got your headphones on, people might think you're nuts. But just, just say the word reciprocity, uh, maybe in the correct way, uh, and you'll understand the dilemma that we've had, right? So, um, But the, despite the fact that it's not an easy word to say for someone like me, uh, what is it? What does it mean? Why, why, and why did he start there, do you think? Well, reciprocity, I can't <laughs> say it. it. You've got the same disease I've got. I know. Right? Oh, you
1: started it it's contagious <laughs> hey it's contagious um no it's simply the the idea that when we receive a, a favor or a gift we feel a social obligation to return the favor
2: mm-hmm.
1: okay so um the researchers think that this is this this behavior has come about because our ancestors learned to share food and and resources um as a as a and skills as a means to survive they found that their collective survival improved yeah so we've become uh you know we've created this, this culture of uh of indebtedness uh and division of labor um and and that, that's now become culturally ingrained so we yeah. we often feel a social obligation that when we receive something that we feel we need to give something back especially if what we received was never, was never asked for. It okay. was, was, you know, done with uh, authenticity.
0: So it's about giving a gift, uh, being authentic in it, um, but giving a gift that wasn't asked for. That was a key phrase you mentioned there, wasn't it? This is something that they didn't know was coming? Exactly, yeah. And they so yeah. feel the need to return that favour.
1: Yeah. So I think it's important as well, just when we go through these, that, you know, there are examples out there that – one might think is not being ethical. And, you know, I definitely want to push that <clears throat> when you try and use some of these tr- these triggers you try and remember to be as ethical and as, as authentic as possible. Sure.
0: Yeah, we're not um, – yeah, there's a fine line, isn't there, between persuasion and and, <coughs> uh, and manipulation. And um, you've got right. to know which side of the fence you're sat on, don't you? So um, that's a very good point. Very, very well put. So – Let's talk about this reciprocity then and how how does that – so this is, a fav, this is a gift that I've given you, or I've done a favor, <clears throat> didn't ask for, and you feel a social obligation to return that favor. Um, have you got an example of where that just works generally in, in life?
1: Yeah. It's an obvious one? Well, I mean, I don't know if it's obvious, but <laughs> the one that I found quite recently um, – is I, I just bought a, a new belt, and and I wanted to have a couple of holes punched in it. Mm-hmm. More cause I wanted. So I was just walking. I was doing my daily exercise, and I was walking by a leather shop, uh, like a Cobblers, and I thought, oh, they might be able to punch a couple of holes. Mm-hmm. I walked in, and I asked the guy, can you help me? And he goes, yeah, sure, no problem. So I'd give him the belt, and he... Punches two holes and I go, okay. So how much was that? And he says to me, well, pay what you think it's worth. <laughs> and I was like, you know, now later on I thought, well, hold on a second, I could have just walked out and go, I don't, you know, just not pay anything then. Yeah. But I gave him a pound, and I thought, well, hey, later on, I thought, well, hold on a second, I probably pay, I probably overpaid. But what he's given me is he's given me a gift, if you like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: of trust, and I feel. Obliged now to honour it, right? Yeah. I'm not uh, give them ten pence. Mm-hmm. I felt obliged. I, I probably overpaid. Yeah, there are a lot of examples like this. Um, I remember you're a Liverpool
0: fan, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So am I. Oh, good. Well, I knew there was a the reason I liked you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so many years ago, we had. I went to a charity event for the Liverpool Foundation. And so Doug Leach was there, Ian Rush was there, and then they give you free food, they give you free drink, you get a chance to take a photograph with Rush and Dalglish. There's all these freebies, so when the auction starts, you feel obliged to bid.
0: Yeah, right. and so bid well, I would have thought.
1: Yeah, oh, absolutely, and of course, as the bid go, then momentum builds and the yeah. bid's so these are just sort of simple examples that I think, you know, that you see um all the time. Yeah. But I think, you know, in in e commerce, um when we do um, you know, blogger outreach, mm. right? The the, the the paradigm should be that, you know, before you approach them to ask for something, you should give back. Right? You okay. you pay for it. You you like the content you you comment on it maybe you share some of the content but you do it authentically right mm-hmm. you you pick content that they, that you find valuable and you give valuable feedback so that builds a certain amount of rapport mm-hmm. and that'll that'll yeah, encourage them yeah. maybe yeah. to share your content and share your um, your website or your promotions so before you ask you you give
0: yeah. That's great. I mean, I, you know, from my own point of view, I get a lot of people every day contacting me saying, can I, you know, post something on your blog or, do you know what I mean? Or can we, can, can you do this for me? And they're asking for favors. And I, 99.9% of the time, I do not feel obliged to do anything other than say thanks, but no thanks. Um, you know, it, I don't even have to do that. But I mean, I do, I make a point of saying thanks, but no thanks. But um but you're right, if they if they change their tactics, and rather than saying, Can I, you know, can you uh publish this on your blog, if they came to me and said, Right, how can I help you? What can I do you know what I mean? Is and they, they give something first and have that mentality, I'm much more likely to to sort of be involved with that. I'll tell you where I've seen this work really well, I don't know if this is a good example, but it's just sort of sprung to mind was the young lady I was mentioning to you earlier, uh, a lady called Michelle. Mm. Okay. Michelle's been with me for years, right? And she's now the director of Jersey Beauty Company. So she's, she's been with me for a really long time. She's amazing, an amazing person. Love the buying of her. She's fantastic. And when Michelle started, obviously we didn't know her. I had no idea who she was. And we were just a young startup business at the time. And um, she came to us to work as a bookkeeper right? Um, and she wanted to retrain. She'd never done bookkeeping her whole life just felt like she wanted to do accounts and bookkeeping. So came to us and said well can I do the accounts and bookkeeping role and do you know what, she didn't take a salary for the first three months. It wow. was this whole uh, let me, you know, I'm going to do this for you mm. and you know, here we are 12, 13 years later, she's now well she can't, the only job that she's not had yet is mine and you know, do you know what I mean? She's, she's, she's now number two in the whole organization. And it all started because she gave before asking. Do you know what I mean? So the standard, you know, here's my CV, give me my money and I'll come work for you. She's like, no, 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 I'm going to come work for you. If this works, you know, you'll give back sort of thing. So, yeah, a real fascinating story. Well, I think at this particular period
1: of time as well with, with the lockdown, I think it's a great opportunity as well. But you're seeing a lot of um, online businesses give free training, mm-hmm. um, You know things that were costly, they're giving away for free. Yeah. And that's a good way to, to, to give back, if you like, and build that relationship.
0: Yeah, no, totally agree. Uh,
1: that, that will pay back in the longer term. Yeah, totally agree. Uh,
0: in fact, that's what Curious is doing with the um, pay-what-you-can model. And I thought that was interesting because it ties in with your belt story um, because I yeah. know initially they had conversations about do we just give the, the core platform away for free? Uh, my advice was I don't think you should give it away for free. I think you should tell people to pay what they can because I feel like people need to have skin in the game. Mm. Um, and I think you'll get a lot less time wasters because they'll, they'll, there's that favor involved, isn't there? There's that like cue with the belt. There's that you've given me something. You've actually trusted me now, so actually I'm gonna, I'm I'm actually going to be a good customer back at some point in the future when I make this work. So, yeah, interesting.
1: Yeah, I like your point about skin in the game. That's always uh, an important uh, part of it. I mean, part of just you know, online online well, business. That's what
0: the guy with the belt did to you, didn't he? He made Ronda saying, "Oh, don't worry about it." He, now you're vested by saying, "I'll oh, pay what you think it's worth." You've now got your reputation is on the line at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't know you from Adam. And if you would have walked out, it wouldn't have changed anything, would it? But it was just, yeah, it's fascinating.
1: All right. Sorry. You told about how you think about yourself. Yeah. I could walk away and never see him again, Mm. but I've got to live with myself. Yeah. I could look at myself in the mirror every day. And that's not who I think I am. Mm. And so he's, yeah that's, a, that's I think he's used some a good piece of psychology mm-hmm. on me. Yeah. But no, you do question good. how authentic that is because I think he knows I'm going to I'm going to pay more than it's actually worth. Yeah. So you feel a little bit manipulated afterwards.
0: You could do, potentially yeah. I tell you I've seen um I've seen massage therapists do this really well you go to the airport and you say, how much is it for a massage? And they say, we'll give you a 10 minute massage, just pay what you think it's worth. And you'll pay them probably twice what they would have charged you. I think it's fascinating psychology, but this all comes down to this reciprocity idea, doesn't it? This is, we're talking about this because it's, this is idea number one. Yeah. When you receive a gift or favor, you feel a social obligation to return that favor. Um, and so uh, how would we do this? Do you think with, Customers, so we. I, I understand how I could do this with a blogger, but you're setting up an e-commerce business. What sort of things could you do with this idea of reciprocity um, to build your business? Do you think?
2: Um. So I think.
1: Uh, well, giveaways. I mean, I think that um, you know, content can be something to giving to. Uh, to customers, yeah. right? So your time, your knowledge
2: yeah.
1: um is also like is, is a useful um not a commodity but a but a useful resource to have. Um so what I find um a good tactic is if you've got a social media presence then getting people to um Making people famous, for example, if they've, if they've c- connected with you and uh, engaged with you, then you give them thanks. You make them famous, right? That kind of thing mm. can really help um, uh, use that rep- rep- uh, reciprocity, <laughs> reciprocity. Um, to, uh, to drive, uh, uh, to, 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 to drive um, uh, more sales. Mm.
0: That's a great tip. It's a great idea. Okay, so what is the second principle, the second lesson here? So the second one is scarcity.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, so that's example where people tend to want more of those things that there's less abundance of.
0: And you see this a lot in e-commerce, don't you? You see this principle all the time.
1: Yes, indeed. On, on websites
0: oh, you do. Hurry, last few remaining.
1: No, exactly. So again, when I would mentioned that, you know, this whole scheme has, has, has been around for decades. Mm. You know, when I first started doing CRM, that was one of the things you're taught, right? So time-limited offers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, there's only so much time you've got, like a day or 24 hours, or there's only 20 of these available. There's a number of ways you can package it to try and create the feeling of, uh, of, of scarcity. Um, An example in the book, I think, was um, when British Airways was still flying Concorde to New York Mm. and they announced that um, they were going to cease that uh, route. The next day, the sales went through the roof. As soon as people knew that time was running out, that they couldn't, you know, they wouldn't be able to take Concorde to New York, sales just, you know, doubled. Um, even though they didn't change the price, nothing else had changed around the service. But, um, you know, it's just this idea for, of, of scarcity drives up, uh, sales.
0: Yeah. No, it's, a good, it's, it's true, isn't it? And I think, and again, coming back to your point earlier, I just want to point out there is an element of um, integrity and authenticity to this because I've seen this used a lot on websites like Hurry, Last One Remaining. Uh, and you've got a thousand of them in stock. Do you know what I mean? And you're just saying that to try and get people uh, to buy it. And I think there has to be an integrity to this because I think customers ultimately see through that kind of stuff and they stop trusting you. Um, But if you're genuine and if you're authentic in the, you know, hurry last few remaining, people go, okay, cool. Uh, And they're more likely to buy it.
1: Yeah, I mean, mean, it's not just, um, you know, small websites that do that. I mean, I would argue that companies like Apple do this. Mm. So Apple, you know, there'll always be a leak about a new phone being launched. Yeah, and there's some debate whether that leak is genuine or whether Apple have done that deliberately, mm. because it drives up it drives up anticipation about the product. Mm-hmm. And then when they launch the product, um, there's never enough available. Yeah, right. So. It's a scarcity thing, isn't it? It's a scarcey thing. So it drives up uh you've built anticipation yeah. and then you know you're driving up uh, demand because everyone wants one before they run out. Yeah. And everyone yeah.
0: knows full well that they're not going to get one for a while. It's clever, it's a clever idea. I've yeah. seen actually and no. not just Apple, I've
1: well, seen sorry Just to be clear, I used to work for Lenovo, so we were obviously in competition. So that that's just my Hot take, if you like.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, you can see it, right? And I, um, I, I remember oh, over the weekend, there's a, a website that I went on to called Alphalete. It's a website my son likes, and they do sports clothing, uh, and they do really nice, really comfy sports clothing. Shout out mm. to Alphalete. They make good products. Um, but uh, what they do is they do a launch of their products. And they tell you ahead of time the launch is happening. Um, Hustle may do it. I've seen a lot of the sort of fitness brands do this, where they they now launch a product, um, and once it's gone, it's gone. Mm. So it's it's not what we'd call an evergreen product. It's like, well, I've got 500 T-shirts. Once they're gone, they're gone. I'm not getting them reprinted. And it puts this element of scarcity around it. So if I own it, I own one of 500 rather than one of an unlimited number, right? Whenever you buy a T-shirt from, I don't know, H&M or wherever. You don't think, oh, this is a limited option. You just think, it's a T-shirt. And so they're using this launch, this scarcity idea like that. And I've seen that work very, very well in e-commerce. And actually, as a way to launch a product, it's not a bad idea, Um, especially if you can get that demand like Apple, get that anticipation and just build it up and say, once they're gone, they're gone. Mm. It's it's a clever way of doing it. Right. I mean, you know, I think that...
1: You can have like collectible versions. Mm. I think that's something that a lot uh, companies do really well. Mm. They'll have the um, limited edition uh, versions of a product, so people can buy it. And if they can't buy that limited version, they'll buy one of your normal products. Yeah. So you'll see a halo effect on your other products as well. Yeah, and, and you know, obviously, having a limited edition if it's if if you've Done it in a genuine way; it can, you know, have a a genuine effect on the rest of your business.
0: Yeah, totally. No, it's it's a it's, a, it's an interesting idea. Okay, so that is um, scarcity. Have you got any more examples there, or should we move on to the next one?
1: Well, the, the last example I had was again something we used to do when I was at Lenovo, and that was like part of our relationship building with some of our advocates. So we would give them access to people behind the scenes things that right. normally you wouldn't get access to mm. right and that was a good way of building sort of relationship um yeah i mean you know access to events that we were driving or just access to um product designers um the merchandise people we'd obviously get good feedback they got uh, the benefit because it made them more of an authority, therefore built their personal brand. Sure, but that's kind of that kind of a scarcity value being used, if you like, to kind of uh, drive more business. Yeah, or drive your marketing. Mm.
0: That's interesting. Okay, um, so what's the what's the third one? Third one is authority. So I'm sorry, I'm smiling. Uh, if you're listening <laughs> to the podcast, you'll, you will not realise that I'm smiling in the fact I've just told you. Uh, but I'm smiling because I think this is where everybody goes to straight away, don't they? Oh, uh, right, yes. Or, at least in their heads. Yes. This is where they go to. So sorry, I interrupted you. You crack on. No,
1: no. I mean, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, I think the difficulty with this, I suppose, is we all want to create you know thought leadership content but in fact there's a deluge of content so actually um creating content that's genuinely unique mm. um is difficult um and I think that was the point you made earlier about um you know things that only you would know things that are that really come from you personally
2: mm.
1: from your personal experience I think is is really um valuable but the authority thing is 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 something that's really hardwired into us. I mean, yeah. we well, we know well that people in, in in uniforms um just trigger natural behaviors in us that we don't really sort of think about.
0: They do. Uh, I still stand up straight when I see a police a policeman. Bazaar. Yeah. Just, I yeah. do this. I don't know. I just notice myself going <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean there's a, there's um worrying, although amusing um, uh, incident the, in the book where this participant's invited to what he thinks is an experiment to look at memory mm-hmm. and the effect of punishment on our ability to memorise things so he rocks up and he's introduced to this man in a white suit, in a white coat and another person he thinks is a participant but actually is an actor and he's told the experiment is basically that you're given a list of pairs of words that you need to memorize. And if you get anything wrong, you get an electric shock. Then oh. he's told that he is the uh, person applying the electric shock, and the other person is the person who's the learner. Uh, and, of course, there's no electric shock, um, but the actor just pretends to be electrocuted. And there's like 30 different volts or 30 different grades of voltage that he has. And each time that the person gets it wrong, then the the uh, researcher tells him to uh, give him another uh, electric shock of increasing voltage. And of course, you know, it, it gets quite excruciating because the, uh, the person supposed to be electrocuted is like crying out for help. Um, but, you know, two thirds of the time, the uh, participant finishes the experiment, in other words, goes through all through yeah, yeah. The, uh, levels, and that's just purely on the authority of the person giving the uh, instructions. Because the
0: guy was in a white coat, you assumed he knew what he was doing. Exactly. And the reality <laughs> was, uh, you should have stopped sooner, but you you kept going because there was someone else. I remember reading that story and going, "Oh my goodness!" Yeah, exactly. And, oh my goodness! What are we? Jeez. <laughs>
1: so so you know authority is um is a very you know it's a very important um trigger and that's really where influencer marketing i think does come in so if you don't feel um ready to level or to to leverage your own authority and content then borrow other people's
2: mm.
1: right so that's really where you can uh, find good influencers influencers and get them to share your story. Yeah. Obviously.
0: That's a good point. So if you've not got the authority level yourself, find someone who has, that's willing to work with you, piggyback their authority uh, to to get going. And actually that brings your credibility up as well, right? Brings your own authority.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, But, you know, just talk about your own um, years of experience, um, courses you've done, people, you know, things that you've achieved, all of those things are, don't sound important, but actually subliminally creates that, um, um, you know, authority message. Credibility, yeah. Credibility, yeah. Um, but reviews and ratings mm.
0: as well. I, mean, I was um, just about to say that. It sounds very good, good segue into something like a review or rating from a customer because actually it's not, it's not me saying how great I am. It's the customer saying how, how great you are is, is, is going to carry more weight, which is what happens in a review, isn't it, or a testimony.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely, and especially if if you can get a rating review from from somebody who has credibility, then mm-hmm. then that uh, then that really helps. But the, the the most difficult thing I think is is building your own authority, mm-hmm. right, and that you can only do over time. Do you think uh, it
0: is a time thing? Do you think there's there's a sort of a time serve factor to authority? I think you get
1: better at it. I think the longer, the longer you do things, the more likely you're going to find um, insights that are valuable to share. Yeah. But I think you need to reframe what you think of as useful. Yeah. I think it's important to think what are the things that you uniquely know and can bring. And some of that's going to be your data. So what are the things that you can do on your website, experiments that you can do that would be helpful for others? That's so very, i've noticed who yeah. um you know they'll see something happen in the google search algorithm for example and they'll immediately alert people going you know what do you think is this is this what i'm seeing are you seeing the same thing that kind of thing helps build your authority as well
0: yeah that's uh, great i am um, a great example of that actually we're working on a project at the moment uh with a lovely lady called joanne jewett um and Joanne, she's from the Northeast. She has that sort of Northeast accent and approach to life, which is very matter of fact. You know, and I, 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 she's straight talking. Love the bones off her. She's a great lady, Joe. And if you're watching this, Joe, Joe, hi, or you're listening, Joe, hi. i um, super excited to be working with her. We're doing a project, which is hopefully going to get launched in the next few weeks. The website's like 90% done. Uh, the guys have been working super hard on it. Um, and she is selling skincare and makeup. Okay, online. Now, I sell uh, skincare and makeup online. I know how complex it is, and I know how competitive it is. And so how does she do it differently, right? How does she create a website that is different from every other website out there selling makeup and skincare? Right. Um, well, actually, the, the, the marketing aspect of it is going to be around her and not just the products. So, um, in effect, what she's done, which I think is quite clever, is she's gone and curated the best products. For her clients, um, because her clients trust her and she has that authority and that credibility. And for those of the the clients that don't know her, she'll quickly build that authority and credibility because she'll tell you stories about how when she did makeup for Princess Diana. So all of a sudden, everything changes. Do you know what I mean? It's like oh you did Princess, oh you've done Bette Midler, oh you've done Barbara Streisand, and she can just throw all these names into conversations, right? And so she's aiming this website at women in their sort of 50s, in their 60s, helping them to sort of rethink their makeup, right? Because apparently makeup in your 50s and 60s is not the same as it was 20 years ago. And you have to rethink it, right? So I'm the last person to tell that story. I have no authority in that area whatsoever. But you know what she does? And with the clients that she's had and the referrals that she had, people listen to her and go, okay, I'm, I, can, I can now understand what you're saying. And so she's very much playing on her authority in that space to build her business. I think it's quite clever. But it's, it's coming back to this statement you said, she has something unique to say. Yeah. It's not the same as everybody else.
1: So that's an interesting example, though, because obviously you, you, one of the recent uh, phenomenons or phenomena is the online uh, influencer, especially makeup, mm. um, doing videos. Um, giving lessons,, yep. but it comes back to my earlier point about time. I mean, I think one of the interesting things is you know when people begin that journey, they don't know anything, and so they're actually sharing their learning journey, yeah, and they're sharing things they've learned along the way, even if it's something that they've been told, they we share that, yeah, and building trust and authenticity with their followers. So that's where I'm, uh, I think you can build authority over time. Yeah, and and it can be it can be about sharing your journey as well.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. So I I see a lot of that happening now on places like TikTok. Hmm. Um. And I think uh you know so podcasting now is also something that's uh well it's it's it's, it's already huge uh, and it's just growing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's also about finding your niche. Yeah, I suppose it's... the other thing about authority, it's, it's what niche are you an authority in? Mm-hmm. And how do you define that well enough?
0: Yeah, and, and my experience is 99.9% of people can be an authority in a specific type of niche. Uh, exactly.
1: Yeah, don't try That's... and be all things to all people. Exactly.
0: And actually, a lot, well, a lot of people say all the time, well, I'm not an expert in anything. And actually, it's not true when you dig down. Um, and just ask a few questions. Actually, you can very easily go, oh, no, you're a bit of an expert in this area, aren't you? Um, And you've done well in this area of life, whether, do you know what I mean? Like my wife would say, I'm not an expert in that kind of stuff. I'm like, babe, we've got three of the most amazing kids in the world. You're like, you're an expert in in being a parent. Let's start there, right? Um, After 22 years of marriage, I'm still, you know, madly in love with you. you. You're an expert at being a wife. Let's start there. And then actually... When we talk further, oh, you can teach people how to speak English. And so there's all this stuff that starts to come out that actually she she's she's quite expert in, but it's hard to see sometimes your own level of expertise because we, we think often we're not good enough or we, do you know what I mean? We don't have that sort of ability to, to well, especially if you're British, I find. <laughs> if, you, if you're I, an American, right. this is no disrespect to my American cousins, uh, having lived in the States for a number of years. Um, In the States, you kind of like, you, I think you come out of the womb going, I'm brilliant. I'm an expert at something, yeah. right? Uh, you're British, you kind of come out of the womb going, hmm. <laughs> Where, where's the nearest cue for me to go and stand in, right?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think we, we suffer from the tallest poppy syndrome here mm. sometimes. Um, we, we, can, we can be a little bit shy to, to talk about ourselves, uh too, too highly um and I think also we just we 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 take too many too much for granted mm. um and we compare ourselves to other people, and we always come out badly when we do that um I think it comes back to context yeah you know when you when you when you when you really look at your context to help you define a niche, then that's when yeah things begin to pop if you like mm mm-hmm.
0: No, it's good. I like that. Okay. Uh, principle number, let me just give a recap. So number one, we've got reciprocity, which is about the gifts and the favor. Number two was about scarcity. So, you know, basically people want more of something that they can't have. Uh, and then authority. So people follow the lead of credible, knowledgeable experts. So what's number four? Where, where What's the next one? So
1: number four is consistency. Mm-hmm. So this
0: is where... People like to
1: be consistent with things they've done or said in the past, right? Yeah. So, um, so example, example from the book, okay? Uh, and this isn't necessarily a, a very ethical practice, um, but the example was from uh, toy stores. So, toy stores obviously their sales peak at Christmas, sure, and then they have a massive lull in January, February. So their problem is how do they increase their sales in that dead period? Um, so what they do, it's actually a tactic that incorporates a number of these triggers. So what they do is they do a massive, massive advertising campaign just before Christmas, say for a new racing game that gets the kids all excited. And, of course, their kids then go to their parents saying, please, can you buy me that for Christmas? Mm. So they get, then go to the store to buy it, and of course, using the scarcity principle, they've sold out. Sure. Right. So then they buy something else of equal value to make up for the fact they couldn't buy this race this race set.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Come January, they rerun those ads. So now the kid's going, but you promised. So the parent, how? Well, they made they've made the promise. They've got to be consistent with what they've said. Uh-huh. So they go back. To buy to buy the race car the, to buy the uh, the race car set
0: yeah
1: right so not a very ethical way of doing things but that was, I thought I you know I thought that yeah, was a
0: no, interesting.
1: Good, yeah. uh, a good example but but for for me you know I think it's something we that it's always been part of what we've done right if you get somebody to respond to you to to uh, to an email they're more likely to go on to purchase so on social media. If they've endorsed you in any way, whether they've liked you, commented or shared your content, then remarket to them because surely they're more likely to then purchase than somebody who you are targeting cold, right? So one tactic, for example, that I've used is before a product launch, you build a lot of anticipation, you get people to like contents that you publish, and then you use that to retarget and you'll find that you're your response rates uh, increase That's because yeah. you can see it as, as consistency. You can also see that people are like, you know, raising their hand to say, you know, I'm likely to be in the market for that product. Yeah. But that kind of consistency, I think, um, uh, is, is just a, a trigger that works. I mean, the, the, even the example I gave earlier with the, uh, the belt,
2: mm.
1: you know, I'm, I need to be consistent with who I am yeah. as well how I see myself. So anything that that happens in public, I will tend to want to be consistent with.
0: Yeah. So people like to be consistent with things they've already done. And I'm just thinking this through a little bit more. It's this is where, uh, this is why Facebook ads are potentially, once you get your head around them, a bit of a goldmine because um, you can find people that have done similar actions to what, to what, they, you need them to do to get your stuff or to like your product can't you you can go and find those interests those people with that value set
1: right exactly so you know that can be looked at as finding people with affinity for your product mm. but you know that could be a very passive affinity yeah once you've actually done something in public then you're more likely to follow through yeah one of the examples as well is, is running apps that make you um, uh, publish what your goal is.
0: They're very popular at the moment. I see them a lot on the Facebook feed from my friends. <laughs> All doing the yeah. zero, the, what is it, Couch to 5K or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and that is, um, you know, psychology of, of, of what motivates
0: us, mm-hmm. I suppose. Yeah, no, uh, it's, a, it's a very good point. It is a very good point. There's also, I mean, one of the things that I've always, um, it's, it's just, sorry, this is what the idea that's popped into my head as you're talking. One of the things that, uh, I've always said to clients, and I think that, you know, people should do on their websites is publish their value statement. Um, yeah. in other words, as a company, these, these are our values. This is what we stand for. Um, and so this is what we won't do. Um, you know, it's 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 understanding those those values and why you have them, uh, because people like to connect with people of similar values. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, it's it's very rare to connect well with people that don't have the same sort of value set as you. I mean, you can do it. I mean, you know, I you know, you joked about being a Liverpool football club fan, and I am friends with people that support, say, Manchester United. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you're. As a general whole, you're, I'm more likely to be friends with or have deeper friendships with people who like Liverpool Football Club, for instance. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? So it's that value set. So actually, I think, and coming back down to the niche idea and niching your market down, so you take someone like Jo Jewett. She has a very unique set of values. Um, she is very, very anti the way the beauty industry markets beauty products, and she's very vocal about that, and these are her values about it. And you either like that or you don't. You know, it's quite a polarizing thing. Um, but the people that like it, there's going to be the consistent message with what they perceive to be valuable is that consistency, isn't it?
1: No, absolutely. I, mean, I think that might also link to one of the next triggers, which is liking. Okay, you, you tend to, um, you, you, you tend to uh, be influenced by people that you like who are similar to you. Mm-hmm. Um but if you, you know, if, if if you are engaged with people with the similar values to you and you get them to say something that says, that endorses your point of view, then they're more likely to act based on that belief yeah. and, and reinforce okay. that yeah, yeah. purchasing a product.
0: And then you remarket to those people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so, you know, asking people to, to to share like content, to comment and to endorse you. Mm.
0: That's a that's a really good point. Um, and it's one of the things which I find fascinating, uh, and I, I have no hard and fast data for this, Merrick, but I I, I have um, I have a sort of a feeling uh, and I've not looked at the like I say I've not looked at the data, but it is it is a hypothesis that I have, and that is if a customer purchases from you and you contact that customer and say, would you please write a review? Mm-hmm. And they write a review of the product on your website or they write a review of you as a company which you publish on the website, they are much more likely to buy from you again. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? Yep. So um, as well as it being good just to have reviews on my website the folks that write the reviews tend to be your best customers overall they tend to be the people which come back time and time again um which I've, i i you know i and and it's it is this kind of asking them to post on social media like you say it's this asking them you know write me a review kind of thing they feel like yeah it it does work it's anecdotal uh, i have i have no science behind what i've just said other than I, I see what I see at Jersey. Yeah, no, I think
1: you're right. I think uh, um, definitely I've, I've I've used that tactic where we've marketed to people who've just recently bought the product. Obviously, you're using that as a reason to write to them, mm. and you're checking in to make sure they're happy, and then give it six months or three months, and ask them to do a review, and then you publish that review. And in some ways, that's also giving back to them mm. because you're making them making them famous and increasing their personal brand. But you're right; they're more likely than to 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 uh, to repurchase. Mm. Um, but the 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 key thing is the more times you are able to engage with people online and offline, any kind of activity that's public that shows some kind of endorsement um, is useful. To drive people closer to that point of purchase
0: yeah no fair enough
1: yeah so uh, you know capturing that data is really really important
0: right mm-hmm. i'm gonna go and i'm gonna go and check now well not now but that'd be like one of the things that i go and find out um <laughs> so that's number four what's yeah. number five
1: all right number five well it's liking it's uh oh people, yeah I, uh, I sorry about that no that's okay people prefer to say yes to those uh those people that they like and there are in three three important factors uh that they're similar to us people who pass compliments and people who cooperate with
0: us to achieve a shared outcome so those are ways to think about um sorry just let me i'm just processing those three things so people yeah. who are similar to us right people that pay us compliments yeah and people that cooperate with
1: co-operate, us collaborate with us cooperate, cooperate with us to achieve a shared outcome okay so if you think about movements for well i mean your uh, your friend who in the beauty
0: industry oh. to change the industry then sorry Merrick, you you froze you um i heard think about your friend in the beauty industry and then it, it just froze for about 10 seconds and i'm back, back. Yeah, yeah you're back now okay. back on.
1: Uh, no, um, so if there's a community of people that have the same belief and you're all trying to change the industry, mm-hmm. then you've got a shared outcome yeah. that you're trying to achieve.
0: That's yeah. a very good point, actually. Uh, and you're working on this together, aren't you? You're, it's a collaborative thing in some respects. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, the example in the book goes back a ways. I'm not sure people will even know what Tupperware parties were. <laughs>
0: The sad thing is, I I know exactly what you're talking about. Never done one, <laughs> never done one my whole life. But I know no, exactly what no, you're talking
1: about. But the idea is very simple, right? So instead of instead of um, a door to door salesperson coming in and trying to sell to you directly, they get somebody to invite their friends round and they have a perfect party.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so now you're not buying from the salesperson; you're buying from your friend. Mm-hmm. That's a very you're different of fish, isn't it? it?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So there's a number of these triggers happening here because. You've got the liking aspect. You've got the social. Pr- you've got the uh, well. I think it's the next one. The social proof mm-hmm. uh, because all of you are are, are buying, so it creates uh, it, it it creates momentum. Um, you've got the consistency because they'll ask you first, you know, what what products have you bought and uh, do you like them or not, and and you've got reciprocity because you get you get little gifts. So, I guess it's like how can you use some of these tactics online right can you sort of do the can you can you kind of uh maybe do a a private online event that you invite people to, but you get you get uh a customer to invite their friends, yeah, and then that customer gets a cut of the profits, yeah, and so you make it more that they're the one doing the selling for you. Mm-hmm. That's but, a
0: really interesting because you've put language to something that um, I'll, t- I'll tell you about a, f- uh, a feature on the Curious Digital platform because I mm-hmm. think this fits it. And it's a really interesting idea that um, we've been playing around with for a little while. Um, so you have your standard affiliate marketing schemes, right, which is, uh, you know, I have the beauty website. You sign up, get a code, you refer the code to, you know. Your blogging audience, you're an influencer. They click the code, they buy, and you get a percentage cut. Or you do a YouTube video, and they, you know, and you're quite clear. It's an affiliate link. Click it, and you support mm. this channel or whatever. Okay, no problem. Um, and that's actually that reciprocity thing again, isn't it? Use my affiliate link and help support this channel. I've done you a favor, giving this content. If you're going to buy this product, click that link. It doesn't cost you any more, but it supports what we're doing. Mm. And so we've been playing around with this whole idea of affiliates plus. Um, and uh, until I think of a better name for it, that's what it's going to be called. But it's this belief that um, actually you want to go back to, or people want to go back to the Tupperware party idea. It was, it was like, how do you make Tupperware? How would you do that in the modern world, right? How would you do the Tupperware party? Well, you, you would go around to your friend's house. You would, um, you would take with you some samples of the Tupperware and then you would hand out your iPad and everybody would order and then it would all be delivered to their house. So you've not got to carry a load of stock. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, just yeah, put your order through here. And then whenever they go back to that website to buy some more Tupperware, you would get a commission again. Um, and in fact, you'd be able to see reports who's purchased, who hasn't purchased recently. Um, you'd be able to email them through the system to go, hey, you've not purchased recently, here's an offer. So they become the people marketing because it's their business. It's not just an affiliate scheme anymore. you're giving them a chance to build their business amongst their friends. and as, as long as you, you know you're, you've got a really good product and there's integrity and you know coming back to this authenticity thing. Mm. Um, I think it's a really fascinating idea. and so with the KD platform, that's now built into it. so if a brand wants to allow that feature. Um, They can do that where, you know, your friends are now starting to sell to friends again. In the school playground, you can do it with your mobile phone. There it is. Nice. Yeah, I like that.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, normal affiliates, you know, you don't necessarily have a relationship Mm. necessarily with with the platform that you're clicking through from, right? I mean, um, what I've noticed, for example, on YouTube is a lot of youtubers now are um like you just did with the pod, with you know with your with your sponsor uh, are monetizing their youtube channel through through these kind of sponsorships yeah you know because youtube now are are kind of these seem to be demonetizing a lot of a lot of creators
0: yeah they've changed their rules Uh haven't they
1: yeah and so they've um also they've altered their monetization model where they have having sponsors um, for products that they generally endorse mm-hmm. and talk about why they fit in with that with their own personal values. <clears throat> and then obviously they're asking people to support them by
0: buying their products. Mm. What's um, really interesting, actually, just following on from that with YouTube, uh, I've, because YouTube changed the way they did it, what a lot of people did so I'm just saying I'm talking to a camera right I'm mm. talking to you but I'm talking through a camera and cameras was a, a great one when I was researching the camera uh, there's a lot of people on YouTube saying this is you know the best camera to do you know digital zoom or Skype or webcam and all that sort of stuff and um, you click their affiliate link so YouTube wasn't paying them necessarily anymore for the view. so what they did was they set up an affiliate link with say Amazon you'd click through to Amazon you'd order the camera and then they'd take a few percentage points what people are finding now which I find absolutely fascinating. And this has no relevance other than I just find it is interesting because Amazon are no longer shipping products unless they're um, essential products. Um, That whole side of things seems to be collapsing. So a lot of the YouTubers that were getting their income from the affiliate schemes with Amazon, because of COVID-19, that's all shut down or is shutting down. And the YouTubers are no longer getting the income from the affiliates because Amazon aren't doing those purchases. Um, and I find that absolutely, you know, fascinating. So they've spent all this time building this authority and this brand recognition and, and getting out there. Uh, and, you know, this is now the second channel from YouTube, which seems to have closed down to them. So I'm, I'm curious to see where the YouTube is taking them.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be interesting and and also once this whole thing changes once the lockdown lifts how the whole ecosystem will change mm-hmm. i mean you know whether new business models and we'll, we'll start um uh, we'll, we'll start to see new ways of uh, of monetizing as well because yeah, i think
0: I think we'll have to i genuinely think we'll have to um and i think it's good i, I genuinely think it's good as much as i like amazon um, I think they're just too big and I think they're just too unruly and I think they have too much control and a yeah. lot of people's livelihoods, are, you know, at a flick of a switch, they just change everything and it is the way yeah. it is. And it's yeah. not, it's not a blame game because Amazon's got to protect their own business. They've got to do what they've got to do. Yeah. yeah. But it's the, it's the little guy at the end that always gets squeezed. And so I think, um, I think people have always been reticent to say, well, I'll sell these my, on my own website. Do you know what I mean? But it's, Yeah that's the only thing you can really control. So I wonder if we'll see a, a big proliferate, prolifer- another word I can't say. Liberation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a big increase in, in that kind of um, activity where people go, I'm going to build the channel. I'm going to monetize it by getting people to buy from me rather than to buy from Amazon or from a third party because oh. I can control that. I have, mm. I have, you know, say over that. It's a bit more faff and a bit more hassle, but I, I think it'll be interesting. <laughs>
1: But what, sorry, just what you were saying earlier on the first example you gave, you know, I think just the having your brand values, um, that is really important, especially if 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 it's more personal. Because I think I think when we start talking about your company values, people can be quite cynical about it. So you've got to make it, you've got to come across as really authentic. You have. Totally, I, yep. but I think it's a very, very important point. I think that's one thing that, when you start doing YouTube or podcasting, your values come through.
0: You can't hide them, can you?
1: Exactly, you and people can't. will relate to that. So you know, it does it does really help um, leverage the whole, the the liking trigger.
0: No, you're right, and I think I'm just thinking now. I was watching a few videos on YouTube earlier on. I'm gonna redo my workshop. My hobby is my hobby is woodwork, and um, I really like. Just doing something creative with my hands, rather than staring at the digital screen on the weekend. And um, I was watching some videos earlier of some guys uh, who were showing how certain products worked. And rather than linking to Amazon, they linked through to uh, just an ordinary, you know, there's a guy in Birmingham making Benchdogs.co.uk. I don't know where they're based actually, but they referred me to his website. His website wasn't, you know, no offense to Benchdogs, his website's not brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what I was like I'm totally buying from these guys because one I love the product two I thought the video was fantastic the guy doing the video was totally authentic um, wasn't trying to be something that he wasn't just really authentic and said listen I found this company that makes these things they're amazing and let me tell you why dot 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 did this video and I I, I am much more likely I've never clicked an Amazon link from a YouTuber um, because I, I have this thing I don't want to buy from Amazon but I'm I'm much more likely to buy from a smaller website that's you know, with these really interesting videos that have been put on YouTube and yeah. I go to those websites and go, I'll buy that. I'll buy that's amazing. That's that's I think is is for me is much more appealing because that's I think that kind of ties in with brand values. Do you know what I mean? And I don't know. Interesting. interesting
1: point though, I, I, if you're you know, you were saying at the beginning that some of the followers might come from bigger brands. Mm. And if you're a bigger brand, you've got a bigger issue of how do you humanise your brand. If you're a smaller company, it's yeah. a lot easier. Yeah. But that's one of the things that we were talking about a lot when I was doing social media at Lenovo was, you know, using content to humanise the brand, mm. showing real people who are behind uh, who are behind the activities. Yeah. And tools like YouTube and Facebook and TikTok can, can help you uh, help you do that. Yeah, Um, you know, showing behind the scenes, um, but bringing the brand to life, bringing the brand values to life, and and demonstrating rather than just saying. Yeah, it's easy to write on a website what your values are, but when you can demonstrate it, then it's more authentic. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true.
0: You know what? I feel like we could go down this rabbit hole for much longer, but let's move on to point number six. Okay. Um, (laughs) You know, before before the last one.
1: Yeah, the last one is consensus Mm. or social proof. So in this world where we're so busy, we tend to look at the actions and behaviours of others to determine our own our own behaviours. Sometimes it's because we don't want to be left behind, we don't want to be the the odd one out. Um, but a lot of the examples I've already given, you know, um, are examples of this. So the example that I had with the uh, the charity. Mm-hmm. You know, when one person starts bidding, it builds up momentum. We all start doing it. Um, you know, in advertising, we've used this for, for ages. We'll always, you know, advertisers have always said, this is the fastest selling product. Um, but online, we do see, see this a lot, if, you know, especially in travel. So if I go to booking.com, for example, you're looking at a hotel and it'll say, you know, 10 people are looking at this hotel right now. Yeah, I've noticed that. If yeah. I've if I've connected my Facebook profile, it'll tell me how many of my friends have stayed at the same hotel, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that kind of uh, social proof is is uh, is very useful. To so Amazon, you, I know you hate them, but but Amazon, it's you know, a strong it, word. I
0: just don't show. Like,
1: you sorry, if I can just, help it. Um, but Amazon are brilliant at this. Mm. You know, they'll talk about. Uh, um, you know, products, people who bought this product have also bought, um, but not, not just, um, uh, how many of your friends have bought this product, but, uh, but rating, ratings reviews as well. Mm-hmm. Obviously I think are, are an example of, uh, of, of, of social proof. Um, but there's lots of different ways that we 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 use social proof along with other of these triggers and combine them yeah. to, uh, to to drive more business.
0: Yeah, that's a very very good point. And it's like we always say to clients, you've got to have at least five reviews per product. So, mm-hmm. You know, if you're selling something online, get at least five reviews because it's that social <laughs> proof aspect of it. Yeah. Um. In fact, people are more likely to buy off a product that's got negative reviews than no reviews, uh, which is quite fascinating because they can understand, they'll can they look at it and go, well, there's a negative review, but that's not the reason why I'm getting it, so therefore I'll still buy it. Um, it's, like, it's, it's really fascinating.
1: Yeah. yeah really Sometimes you, you look at a negative review, though, and go, right, that person's just an angry person.
0: <laughs> Most I'm of not the time, to be, to be, be fair. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to say... He's got I some kind go of, kind of against what? the world, right? So you're just like, yeah, 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 I'm not interested. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that I found um, fascinating Uh, And I can't remember if it was when I read um, Robert's book or another book about the psychology of influence and this whole idea of consensus and social proof. um, Was this idea that um, the example that was given to me was Kitty Giavess. I think I pronounced her surname wrong, but this was a lady in the 1960s who was murdered on the streets of New York. And she was there was about 30 people that saw her being chased but didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And they ran a, an, so some, you know, the, basically the, the, the paper said New York was the unfriendliest city in the world or some other un, most uncaring city in the world. And some psychologists went, yeah, I'm not convinced it's the result of people not caring. Um, and it came down to a number of key incidents, one of which was social proof, i.e. everybody saw her running through the streets, but they were looking to everybody else to see what to do and how to behave so when i used to work um i used to volunteer with the british red cross and we used to go out and do um first aid and emergency first aid i used to go out on the ambulances it was great fun it was a bit of an adrenaline rush it was great fun not gonna lie um and i remember the first time i really saw this um to a massive effect was i i wasn't even on duty actually i was just driving down this i was driving down a road um and just in front of me like a minute before i arrived on scene there was a big Massive car crash involving like three or four cars. So I was the first on scene, get out of the car. And, um, and I, I, I go around each car, find out what's going on, see what's happening. And there's a crowd of about 30 people now sort of gathering around, standing and watching. Um, but no one was doing anything. And because I'd read this book, because I understood this principle inside my head, what I had to do was I had to go to different people and say, "I I need you to do this." And as soon as I said to somebody, "I want you to do this," they went and did it. Hmm. Um, but because they didn't know what to do, so therefore they were looking around at everybody else for this whole social proof. No one did anything. Do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. not because people didn't care, or I think people were just afraid to do the wrong thing sometimes. And so you see this a lot in emergency first aid, where um, where if social proof is missing, i.e. If, if everybody's standing there watching you. So if you choke in a restaurant, for example, or you know, you're having a heart attack or whatever, don't shout help. You point to somebody and say, please, you need to help me because if if you're in a group of people they look around and they tend not do you see what i mean yeah and so it's a really it's a really fascinating experiment that occurred this whole thing of social proof that people look to other people to understand how to behave themselves so i think i think the
1: kind of opposite of social proof if you like is 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 shaming i think shaming shaming is basically where we are singled out and excluded from the group. Okay. Right? And that, if you think of our ancestors, Mm. that could mean life and death. Mm -hmm. I think we have a deep fear of being shamed, Mm. and therefore we're looking for consensus before we decide what our actions should be. Mm -hmm. Because if we do the wrong thing, especially for something that really matters, we are at risk of being shamed. And I think there's a fear barrier that stops us acting. So I think that's that's, really where, interesting. Yeah. I, that's maybe where some of the social proof uh, comes in. So if you can remove that fear of being shamed for people and um, build that consensus and momentum, then you can help build your business, right?
0: That's really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, and, no, I get that. I totally get that.
1: One of the things about this as well, about these, uh, about these uh, six triggers, is that it doesn't just work in terms of driving sales of your audience. It can also apply to your business. If you're a medium-sized business or a big business, one of the new things as well is employee engagement. Right, so as part of your marketing activities is using your employees to actually be the face of your brand and help to amplify your marketing content. Um, so some of these triggers can also be used in terms of driving employee behavior. Yeah. You reapply it.
0: Mm. Right. That's so, very good. Yeah, use it on your teams.
1: Yeah.
0: Or with your teams. On your teams is wrong. Yeah. That sounds wrong. <laughs> but use it with your teams. yeah. yeah. With teams. yeah. So, no, that's great. Hey, Merrick, listen, I really appreciate your time uh, going through. It's been a fascinating conversation. Uh, Thank you. And just you. thinking again about the cycle. Because it's so easy to get caught up in tactics and it's so easy to get caught up in the latest thing, you know, that people are talking about, especially in the yep. digital world. Yeah. Um, just taking a step back and thinking about the fundamentals, like the psychology of persuasion is so, so good. I've had written them down, a whole bunch of ideas that I've got for my own business, which is great. So really appreciate your time coming here. Let me just summarize them one more time. So lesson number one, reciprocity. Lesson number two is scarcity, number three was authority, number four was consistency, number five was liking, and number six is this whole idea of consensus and social proof. Six key factors. People can obviously find out more by reading the book, which I would encourage you to do. It should be on everybody's bookshelf. I've read it many times, very helpful book. Uh, but Merrick, listen. Thanks for bringing that to us. How can people connect with you, get a hold of you, reach you if you want if they if they are so inclined?
1: So I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Metric underscore Dos M E T R I C underscore D O S, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Just look up Merrick M E Y R I C K. D'Souza, D-S-O-U-Z-A. There's not many of us out there, so you should find me quite easily.
0: Now, we were talking about the, uh, the, the root of, of your name, weren't we, before we came on because it's such an unusual name. And uh, so I can't imagine there are actually that many of you, which is great. Uh, please explain to me metric underscore dos for your Twitter handle.
1: Uh, I'm not very imaginative sometimes. And um, when I – it was, it was um, uh, on Word. It was just the autocorrect. Every time I I typed my name in, it came up with metric DOS. I thought, okay, that'll do. Wow,
0: that's the best answer I've heard for a Twitter handle. Microsoft Word Autocorrect gave it to me. (laughs) I thought, you know, word of God,
1: I can't disobey Bill Gates,
0: can I? No, you can't. Not at all, but that was brilliant. Merrick, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure and a treat for me to chat to you. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed that. uh, Yeah, I hope the listeners, I'm sure they have got a lot of uh, stuff out of it. And if you've got any questions for Merrick, do reach out to him on LinkedIn or Twitter, uh, and you'll remember his uh, Twitter handle now. He's told you that story. But Merrick, thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Okay, wasn't Merrick fantastic? I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I know I did. Like I said, I've taken a whole shed load of notes uh, on what I can do better on my website. Just a few ideas now buzzing around in my head uh, on what we can do to drive our own e-commerce businesses for you. Do reach out to Merrick because Merrick was a cool guy and uh, had some real interesting wisdom there, and I'm sure he'd love to connect with you. Uh, But it's all that's left for me to say is thanks for watching. If you are still with us on Facebook Live, I know a few of you are uh thanks for uh listening if you're listening on to the on the audio podcast make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast from we're on itunes and stitcher and all of those amazing places and like i say if you're interested come join us on facebook live just make sure you like the matt edmondson uh, facebook page just go to facebook.com forward slash matt edmondson Co. um that's Co. as in company not ceo Uh, But Matt Edmondson, uh, CEO, or just head on to the website, mattedmondson.com. And on there, we will, when we put the podcast live, we will put all the show notes. We will link to Merrick. uh, We'll link to the book that he's been talking through. Everything will be on the website at mattedmondson.com. You will be able to get all your resources from that site. Uh, It'll be great to see you there. And we'll link to the Facebook uh, Live page from there as well. So if you want to come join in the conversation on Facebook Live, you would be more than welcome to do so. All that's left for me to say is, like I say, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great week wherever you are. And I will be back again very, very soon with another episode of the Curiosity Podcast. Stay safe and we'll speak to you soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Curiosity Podcast. You can subscribe or you can also join us on Facebook Live. See you next time.